0: Hi, I'm Don Mack, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. And joining me today is a colleague, I think a friend, from just across the border in north-central Kansas. Luke, welcome to our podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Don. Delighted. I've enjoyed working with you, and I think you've got a very interesting story to share with our audience today. And so, I want to kick off as this kind of frame. I see you as having had great success as an economic developer in rural America. You have become an entrepreneur yourself, and you've also worked as a community coach within our E2 Entrepreneurial Communities Framework. And so you've got really multiple ways to look at this. And so As we kick things off, share a bit about your current hometown in this corner of North Central
1: Rural Kansas. Yeah, I'm from Cortland, Kansas. My dad is from here. My mom's from within the county. Grew up here, went to a small 1A school, lowest division in Kansas in population, and went to college and returned with a marketing degree out of Fort Hayes and was thinking I was just going to enjoy my summer doing some odd jobs here while I looked for a real job in an urban place, because that's where you assumed you had to find some of that experience. So things took off and I kind of ended up with a marketing firm here that built from a living room office situation to then getting an office and becoming that kind of development organization directors. Enjoyed that role before doing this venture.
0: Let's dig in a little bit to this first role as an economic developer. You mentioned your hometown of Cortland. I believe your role was economic developer for the entire Republic County, which is a very rural, low population county in north central Kansas. And Republic County was and is a Network Kansas e-community. And we've done podcasts with Steve Radley and Eric Peterson and Tara and others from Network Kansas. Part of your involvement with Network Kansas is its YEC, which stands for Youth Entrepreneurship Challenge. First of all, share a little bit about your work as a rural economic developer in Republic County, and then maybe we can dig in a little bit with your relationship or the county's relationship with Network Kansas. So share a little bit about what your job looked like as the economic developer in this rural county.
1: Yeah, I was very fortunate to be somebody that's already from here. I knew we have eight communities in the county. For those of you who are not aware, most rural Kansas, our county has about 4,600 people. Cortland has 290. There's another town around 300. Belleville has 2,000. And the others are all about 100 people. You have a lot of different pockets. And as a marketing major, our job was to really communicate resources, be a connector, be a convener and democratize entrepreneurship and try to make that accessible to anybody doesn't matter which town you're from or what your ideas are there are resources out there and that was kind of our role was to diversify our economy of republic county which is really really rooted in agriculture with republic county economic development we started making waves and connecting to alumni and getting people to look at opportunities back here but also brought up points of is a major barrier, and it's similar across the nation. Those things started bridging us into what network Kansas was doing. I really wanted to join that program because of the youth entrepreneurship challenge. I didn't really want to recreate the wheel within my county because limited resources, and they had a great model already. And that allowed us to work within both school districts. As a small county, we're lucky to have two great school districts, and we were able to convene that project between both of them and host that entrepreneurship challenge at each school alternating years. And that really exposed youth to it. but also brought adults to the point of understanding if if a sixth grader through senior could come up with an idea that I could actually loan money to tomorrow, if they had the time to operate it, why can't adults do this? And before this, we had been doing small business classes revolving loan funds, a number of other programs that help amplify somebody's business idea This just helped fill in that continuum of starting with youth and getting people understanding what my role was as economic development and helping people find the resources they need, but also explore ideas.
0: And so with the two school districts that cover this diverse county, was that part of the strategy to provide countywide impact and to foster culture change, looking at entrepreneurship as a core development strategy?
1: For sure. When I graduated high school in 05, there definitely is always that fear of you're going to lose your identity as a community. We're two or three towns put together for Pike Valley. Republic County is about two thirds of the county on the other side. There's always that fear of we're going to lose something by combining. And this is something that I love because we could host it at one school one year and engage different people when we moved to the next school district the next year. So there wasn't territorialism of it. It was really unifying. We had gyms with 30 projects competing with 250 people in the gym. So it was really awesome to see the communities countywide be open-minded about the success in our county, is success for everybody. We need to be a regional economy. What's good for one town is obviously good for a nearby town and or the county seat, even though I'd say 80 percent of our entrepreneurial work was in the largest town in the county just because of the scale of it. I want to drill down
0: a little bit with eight communities with a relatively small population. You've got a pretty complex landscape. I know a lot of our other economic developers who are working in this space. They struggle to make sure every community feels like they're getting a fair share of their economic developers' time and program time. What were some of the techniques you used in addition to YEC to really make sure every community felt like they were getting a fair shake from a countywide development effort?
1: We are lucky, and I'll backpedal a little bit. We have a really great radio station in Belleville. We have two newspapers, one in Belleville, one in Cortland. And that local media presence really helped us in the traditional sense of reaching maybe older people who consumed that, but also utilizing a website and Facebook. We were able to reach people within the county as well as outside. That was our first step as marketing background of myself and my predecessor, Jenny Russell, who was my mentor in the situation. But we also started putting up table tents at every restaurant and gas station in the county. And that might only have been 120 table tents a month, but we got a local sponsor to sponsor one panel. We put on economic Development Resource on another panel. And then the third one was a community calendar. And we worked with the schools and local civic organizations putting on nonprofit events to build out that calendar. It took some work. But that really helped us reach three different audiences. It was the locals, the people in town that might be commuting for work in our communities, but also travelers. They realized very quickly, wow, this small area has a lot of stuff going on. And it's kind of the things of what is happening that you can't see when you just drive by on Highway 36 or Highway 81 and you make assumptions about our town's. That really helped start the coffee shop talk instead of from a place of negativity, they're talking about something positive or maybe an idea with a program that we have. And then later on, one thing that we did intentionally was do business networking events called Launch and Grow. We would host them in a different community each quarter and either highlight a business with a tour or a community asset with a tour. And this was specifically for entrepreneurs or soon-to-be entrepreneurs They were aspiring to learn more and connect with each other. That way they could talk in an honest place and didn't have to worry about customers judging them if they had some challenge they needed to overcome.
0: It seems to me that that simple tool of the table tents also sent a message to everybody in the community that you're invited. You're invited to go to other communities. You're invited to be part of these other events that even though it's a small landscape in the scheme of things, it creates awareness that you're part of a larger community. Is that a fair takeaway from what you just shared?
1: For sure. Small communities are competitive. They're saying, hey, they're doing stuff. Why are we doing stuff? When you see one community improve something, you kind of get that competitive fuel added to it. The interesting part about that was every time I picked them up, they were grungy, which was great because people are picking them up and reading them. We were concerned about restaurants advertising on it as well, but that never was the case because everybody had a first-come, 1st serve opportunity to sponsor. It was nice to see that businesses wanted to support those, and we never had a lack of support for it.
0: Neat, elegant strategy. Well, I want to pivot a little bit. So you shared a little bit about your life as an economic developer in a rural county, and I want to go to your next activity so you and your wife jennifer i believe my wife's name's jennifer so good name you're now entrepreneurs and you've founded and you're growing a business in Cortland. so three questions the first one i want to start with is the name of your
1: business and what does it do the name of our business is irrigation ales and we produce beer in an area the name comes from the kansas Boswick irrigation district probably one of the largest surface water districts in Kansas. Often people see the pivots in western Kansas or Nebraska from the aquifer. We get our water from Republican River to Lovell Lake through a canal system around our area. So we don't have the aquifer. And that's really one of the biggest drivers of why and Scandia, and this area are still viable communities. My dad had worked there. I had worked there a couple summers. So it's a really big part of our family, but all as irrigators and farmers in the area previously, as well as our community.
0: So tell me a little bit about what all you offer. So obviously you make and sell beer, but from previous conversations, you also talked about how you work with food trucks and other vendors because you don't provide a full menu, correct? But nevertheless, you want to create that larger experience. So share a little bit about that part of your strategy.
1: Yeah. So what makes us Unique in terms of our area and leveraging the agrarian culture here is that we actually built our brew system out of old dairy tanks sourced (laughs) from the area, some cousins dairy tanks. We found out we could do this cheaper, reading some brewing books about a guy in Colorado, but also watching, you know, one of your former guests, Caleb Pollard and his partners in their project on how they're innovative on keeping their costs down and building out a brewery in rural Nebraska we follow that example a lot and utilize creative ways to cheapen up our project, but also have the ability to brew the beer quality-wise. So on top of the beer, we do eight styles on draft and then to-go cans. But we changed the law of the year before we opened so that way we could have a liquor license but not have to reach a 30% sales requirement. That was really I'm going to put air quotes, pivotal (laughs) to our business. Because in a town of 294, we already had two restaurants. So we have a lunch spot and an evening dinner spot. We did not want to compete with workforce resources. Also, we brew in our kitchen. So we don't have space for a good kitchen setup anyway. And we want to amplify our partners and let them bring in that food. We also bring in food trucks in the month of october and sundays so we'll fill in gaps because we know in rural kansas you maybe can't do everything all the time so we want to support local businesses we also utilize a lot of locally grown blackberries raspberries cantaloupe pumpkin we've picked our own sandhill plums we use a lot of stuff around the area that we can thankfully the depot market grows a lot of that produce and keeps it frozen and is a good partner for us. And they're a very veteran business that brings in a lot of people to our our community. So we really like to promote what are the other things you can do besides hitting up our tap room. We're open Thursdays and Friday evenings, Saturday all day. It's been really interesting to see that mixture of locals as well as people traveling in from two to three hours away. It helps also last year we made the Kansas City Star, the front page as well as the Wichita Eagle. So Really showing off the microculture of surface water irrigation with siphon tubes and pipe builds into our beer names, builds into our taproom experience, but also gives people an idea of that Lovewell Lake's a recreation opportunity right up the block from us in rural terms about 50 miles away. So we've had a lot of fun giving people a reframed idea of what you can do in a rural county like this.
0: Yeah, it's really neat because I think one of the things is obviously you need to make a living. You need to be successful with this venture, but it's also a tool in communities. And we see this with our friends out in Ogallala with the second chapter brewery, obviously Caleb with Scratchtown up in Ord, but a neat dynamic. So the second question I just have to ask, because over the years, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and I always ask this question, what motivated you, and I would guess your wife is a partner in this, to really start a business and pursue this track? It's not always easy. It has its risks. And so what were some of your core motivations? Why did you transition into being becoming an entrepreneur?
1: When I went to college, I found out very quickly that some people don't like where they're from. And I couldn't understand that. Cortland was always a place that was supportive. A lot of my friends were from here and, and a lot of them were moving back after college, but it was surprising to me. And I realize now that we have a very, very supportive and special community, even though we are very small, it's always a place that says yes first and try it maybe. Sure. Why not? Versus a no first mentality. And that really allowed me permission to think outside the box and think, oh, well, maybe it's possible. I'm seeing this happen in rural Nebraska and across Kansas. It's just the passion of discovering craft beer was more about a purveyor of culture and learning more about products you could use and different flavor profiles. And my wife and I really loved beer tourism and, and just visiting places and learning more about them through the medium of beer. And then obviously, you can learn a lot about culture through food. So we really like to highlight our area and just let people explore a quality craft product, but also learn more about our area. And since we were those people that frequently drove an hour and a half outside of our community (laughs) to enjoy those things, we're like, well, surely there's other people that would like to enjoy those within our 90 mile area as well. I really started ground truthing this with starting a fermentation club in our community. We have some people that do wine, some other products, kimchi, sourdough, and people who were coming out of the woodwork to meet once a month and just share fermented products that they were doing in their closets or at their house. Through that, I'm like, well, if these people are finding out from word of mouth and coming 45 miles around on a Tuesday, surely there's more people similar to them. I really creeped on a lot of other people's Facebook pages like Town, like the other breweries and asking a lot of questions. And when I had to start hosting business plans, classes for other entrepreneurs, I started building out my business plan as a practice. And I was really inspired by a lot of the entrepreneurs in my area, especially the Depot market, and other ones in Republic County that were able to create destinations and draw in people from hours around. And if they were able to do it, surely we could use some of those same principles and serve our locals, but also serve a broad region.
0: Well, I think one of the things just for our audience, as an entrepreneur, one of the things that you did that we recommend, but is sometimes so hard for entrepreneurs, particularly in rural places, is to reach out and learn, to network with other people. This culture sometimes we have, of I'm going to hunker down and figure it out on my own, can really limit what's possible. And so It sounds like from early on, your experiences working with entrepreneurs, you brought that into yourself and said, okay, I'm going to take some time to network with people, learn from other people to help you craft. Is that a fair
1: takeaway? For sure. And it also allowed me to learn things about other people's businesses and how scary it is on the backside. A lot of people are building an airplane while it's flying, while they can't tell anybody because maybe they have a full-time job. And- They're needing to make a transition at some point, and they don't want to detriment what they have going on. So I was very lucky to be able to learn from so many entrepreneurs in our county through the business planning process and resources and financial education that I was able to understand what dynamics I need to be successful. And that definitely was one that maybe if we didn't learn so much about food industry and restaurant success in our county that maybe would have jumped into that, and then it'd be a lot harder to operate in this current climate. And luckily, the brewing industry is very, very wide open. I would not be against a brewery coming into our county because I think that would help just more people come to those options because we were those people that would go to where there's two breweries versus just one isolated by itself.
0: One more pivot. All right. So you've been an economic developer. You're currently an entrepreneur. But you're also working part-time as a community coach with Network Kansas and E2 with the initiative in Nebraska. It's called E3, lots of E-somethings, but it stands for Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, an initiative of the Nebraska Community Foundation and the Kauffman Foundation. And you've been working with a neighboring community just across the border of Red Cloud, helping them explore what it means to become an entrepreneurial community. And so share a little bit about your work as a coach within the entrepreneurial
1: community's framework. So I like to call it the river runs through us because Red Cloud's just right up the river from us and that's where we get all our water. But Red Cloud's a really special community and I had visited with them in the past on certain regional projects and and been aware of some of the things they've been doing from a foundation perspective. And it's a very impressive community. And by being able to coach them through this process, it's been able to give them ideas on what Kansas had offered through Network Kansas and just some of the things that we creatively did with a very, very small budget in Republic County. We really only had enough funding to pay for time and not a lot of other program dollars, and there was the things like the network events with small businesses, other ideas about how to support entrepreneurship through youth that really don't cost a lot of money, but it's a lot of collaboration, organizing, and working within your community to identify and be entrepreneurial as an organization, and what regional partners can you bring in that you don't have to recreate the wheel, but also connect those dots in that entrepreneurial ecosystem. So it's very interesting to see and look back on what we've been able to do in Republic County and say, wow, we were able to accomplish a lot in that eight years I was there and help Red Cloud through this process. But it's also been very interesting to learn from you, Don, further, as well as the other communities in Nebraska, the impotence on focusing on the ground game and how to really identify what are the strong growth points with entrepreneurship that maybe you don't need to be a catch-all for everything, but this industry needs support. And how do you do that through a ground game strategy?
0: Yeah. And just for our audience, the ground game, we have a podcast on that really is this simple idea that at some point you've got to go out, sit down with entrepreneurs, Talk to them, build a relationship, learn what their needs and wants are, get them to open up encourage them to network to resources. And that really changes the dynamic in communities. And so more information on that. As I shared earlier, this goes so fast, it's time for us to wrap up this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. But I've got one final question. What's kicking around in the back of your mind as to things you still want to do? Share one potential idea that you'd like to bring to fruition in the next few years.
1: One thing we've tested a little bit, I just haven't gotten all the kinks that worked out, is doing more rural tourism. I am a big advocate of getting people to a spot and really getting in person with them. So I've done a little bit, but I want to keep doing some more canal tours. They go from irrigation ales, 15 miles to Lovell Lake. They have a great marina and give people an in-depth experience of how that works. Knowing that most people are disconnected from agriculture and those ag experiences, I think there's some really big Experience is available if we work with some farmers in the area showing people how surface water irrigation works. And I think that's kind of fun to do.
0: Because the fact is, the vast majority, even of people in Kansas and Nebraska, have limited experience with production agriculture. And so there is interest there with agritourism. Actually, my good friend Janelle Anderson is out in Western Nebraska today and the tourism conference, and they're having a section on agritourism. And so It's clearly happening. Well, folks, we need to wrap up. Luke, I want to thank you for the work you do and appreciate your willingness to be my guest today.
1: Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. You bet.
0: So folks, as we wrap up this edition, just want to remind you of the resources that are available through our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. There's a whole set of resources. These are organized around frequently asked questions Including, we've now kind of merged our resources with our podcast. So, if you want to learn more about the ground game, there's guides and podcasts that you can easily access through our website. And of course, you know, if you've got questions, just email me and I'm always happy to talk with you. Some resources specific to this podcast we're going to be sharing some information about Luke's business, about Cortland and Republic County. If you're in the region or you're passing through, you might want to stop and take advantage of some of the brews. And also we'll be sharing a little bit more information about Network Kansas and their eCommunities program. So as we wrap up, thanks again, Luke, and to you, our listeners, all our best, and to you and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thanks and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast.